0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio,
1: this is Raider Nation Radio 920. (laughs) Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first
2: five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must
1: go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
3: Coming up in about 30 minutes as we kick off, uh, well, it's still the summer of Cliff. We've been talking about the summer of Cliff for a while, but we're here kicking off hour number two coming up in 30 minutes. Cliff Branch interview I did for 2016, the only time I ever had an opportunity to talk to Cliff. Going to take it back to 2016, and tomorrow very excited about him being enshrined forever into Canton, Ohio, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. To talk about it right now on the phone lines from CBS Sports is Brian Deirdo at Brian Deardo on Twitter. And, Brian, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you, you saw the piece that you put out. Cliff Branch's sister, to deliver late Raiders legend Hall of Fame uh, introduction speech with mixed emotions. So uh, we've been talking a lot about emotions this whole week and and just how emotional it is that Cliff isn't here to smell the roses and be able to go and give his speech himself and give his feelings, knowing how much he wanted to be in Canton, Ohio. When Elaine walks across that stage and starts to talk to the crowd, how emotional do you think it's going to be for her?
1: Well, hey, guys, thanks for having me on the show. And, yeah, to your to your question, I think, um, yeah, I think it's very emotional for her. And that's kind of what I was getting out of her, her interview on, you know, yesterday when I spoke to her. And I actually spoke to her a couple of years prior after Cliff failed to make the Centennial class, which, as you know, I'm sure they expanded that class to 20 members to try to get some of those players from the past who may have slipped you know slipped through the cracks in, 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 in prior decades more of a chance to make the Hall of Fame. And, and she started to cry, you know, back then when we spoke about Cliff and him not making it. So I certainly think it's going to be emotional whenever she really talks about her brother, as you would understand. Mm-hmm. She's emotional. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's pretty cool that, that in years past, um, presenters recently uh, had their messages pre-recorded. Um, that won't be the case tomorrow. She will be speaking live. So, and I think, specifically when they unveil the bus, that would yeah. be a pretty emotional moment for, uh, for sure.
3: Yeah, I agree 100%. I think the whole family is going to feel the emotions. And and like I mentioned, I only got one opportunity to talk to him, and that was in 2016, and uh, he was, you know, talking about it then. But, Brian, why do you think that it took so long and it takes so long for some of these guys? I mean, he's been eligible. He was eligible since 91, you know, in the Snake. He had been eligible for 27 years before he got in. Why do you think it takes so long for some of these guys to get in?
1: Well, I think there might be a Raider bias. You know, and as, as we know, and I'm sure as Raider fans know that that the NFL kind of seems like they're always out to get them, whether it's the tough roll, the immaculate reception, uh, you know, whatnot. So, uh, you know, that that could be a little bit of it. Um, I also um, think that statistics obviously hurt, right? Because uh, obviously the game's changed; it's evolved more to become an offensive game. Rules are now skewed towards offensive numbers. So, you know. Trey Bradshaw, for example, made is a first Ballot Hall of Famer. I think if you were from that era, it was very important to get enshrined quickly because the more the years passed, the harder it was going to be because of those statistics. So uh, those are the, the main reasons why I think it took so long. But, but it is a shame because, to me, if you're deserving now, you were deserving 20, 25 years ago when you were first
3: eligible. Right, exactly, with three rings as well. I mean, you know, if, if there's any question, three rings and knowing the franchise has three rings. You know what I mean? It was like he was that important that he was a part of every Super Bowl win that they had as far as the organization goes. Uh, I, I always wondered why that didn't become a bigger factor for Cliff.
1: Well, and also, too, I think one reason that also could have hurt him is the Raiders already, if you look at the 74 team, he'll yeah. be the sixth or no, the seventh member of that offense alone. Right. to be in the Hall of Fame, which is which is a record for any unit. So that could have been held against him that, you know, he had some of the burden taken, taken off of him by having, you know, Cliff Branch, Dave Casper, you know, kind of taking some of the load off. But that's also the same argument that you get when you talk, you know, 90s Cowboys with Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin and, and Troy Aikman. You know, I've heard the argument that, that Troy was only so good because of those weapons, or Emmett was only so good because of his line. And really, you know, they all made each other better, right? I mean, Blitnikoff... You know his numbers wouldn't have been as good without Cliff Branch, and the same goes for for Cliff and and uh, Fred and and what Fred did for Cliff and Dave Casper and all of them. So I, I think that also could have contributed, but uh, but yeah, but the Super Bowls I I totally agree. I mean, very few receivers have three rings. Swan and Stallworth were in the Hall of Fame. Jerry Rice is in the Hall of Fame. Julian, Julian Edelman, who just because he has three rings, is is, is you know going to get some Hall of Fame consideration. But yeah, that's very very surprising to me. You know, Andy did well with, with two different quarterbacks, which is something that most guys in the Hall of Fame, you know, most of them only played with one guy.
3: Right, that's a good point that doesn't really get talked about uh, that often. Again, we're talking with Brian deardo from CBS here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. My man Damon's got one for you.
2: Yeah, Brian, a little bit from the piece that you have up on CBS Sports, a little excerpt, is that he would give Mel Blunt fits, and they would both (laughs) give each other fits, you know, so two highly respected guys from that 70s era, but do you think that maybe players should have a little bit of say-so in the Hall of Fame? If another Hall of Famer is saying, hey, this guy was giving me fits, shouldn't that have a little leeway on who makes the Hall of Fame, if other Hall of Famers are saying this guy's a good player?
1: That's a tremendous question, and I actually talked to, to uh, Elaine close sister about that yesterday, and, and yeah, I mean, I, and I said that to her. I go if the players, and I had the same conversation about Kenny Anderson on a radio show in Cincinnati. I recently just spoke to him, and he's a finalist this year. He's the only quarterback that's a senior finalist, which I, I found interesting, but, you know, we had that same conversation. If the players from that era voted on the players to get enshrined, if fellow Hall of Famers voted, you know, Ken Anderson would have been in a long time ago. Cliff Branch would have been in a long time ago. I asked Donnie Schell last year when he was inducted the Steelers safety back then, which uh, opposing receiver gave you and the Steelers the most fits? Without even blinking, he said uh, Cliff Branch. And, you know, really, <laughs> this is all you have to say about Cliff Branch to really solidify his Hall of Fame status. The 75 AFC Championship game played in Pittsburgh – mysteriously, there was a tear through the outsides of the Steelers' tarp they put on the field the night before when there was a big rainstorm that came through, which made it ice the next day. Conveniently for the Steelers, the outsides of the hash marks were frozen, which hindered Cliff Branch's ability to make big plays down the field. And, you know, Al Davis famously said to Pete Rozelle when he told uh, Al, well, it's the same for both teams. And Al's like, the hell it's not, Pete. Pardon my language. It's not the same because that takes away our deep ball. The steel. I mean, that's all you have to know is that yep. the Steelers froze their field to prevent Cliff Branch from beating them for the right to go to the Super Bowl.
3: That's Hall of Fame status right there. <laughs> that's, yes. that's all he has. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're talking with Brian Deardo right now on Unnecessary Roughness Radio 920. So Elaine's going to deliver the speech. Mark Davis is going to do the presentation, and that was his best friend. You know, I got to see MD for a quick second yesterday, and uh, you could even see the emotions as he's thinking about it, but... Uh, for, for Mark Davis, knowing that that was his roommate, his best friend, I mean, h- how do you think that he's feeling knowing that Cliff, even though he's not here to, to appreciate it, is finally getting in, knowing how bad Cliff wanted to get in?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, And, and I think that uh, for Raider Nation in general, I think everybody's really kind of wrapping their arms around this, even though you know it's been, I mean, I have, Full disclosure, I was born in his final season. So I, I don't even, you know, I wasn't alive to really watch his career. So, right. you know, and, and, yeah, I mean, you can see the emotion on on Mr. Davis when he when he was interviewed on TV last night about it. So I'm sure for him it'll be really emotional. And I think for him, that the fact that Quip's not here, I think, you know, for him obviously is sad, but it also might make him uh, give it more energy, right, to, to bring more life to it, not just a player that's not here, we're going to celebrate him. I mean, Elaine told me yesterday, and this – These are the quotes, unfortunately, as you guys know, sometimes in good interviews, you can't release everything, right? Right, right. She said they they have rolled out the silver and black carpet for their family in their hotel. There is Cliff Branch stuff everywhere, and when Elaine got into her hotel room, there was a picture of her and Cliff on her dresser. She said she felt like she was at home. So I think for sure Mark Davis is making sure that this is a special moment for her family and for Raider Nation that's made the trip to Kansas.
3: You know, it's funny you mentioned that we had Mike Haynes on yesterday on the show. Obviously he's a Hall of Famer as well, Cliff's teammate, but uh, he said that he took a picture. It was him, Mark Davis, and Cliff Branch, and Cliff Branch was in the middle, and the picture was so large that it was almost like he was he was man sized. Like it was it was a full like a full body picture almost. That's how big it was. Almost like every picture in the hotel they're staying at is all on the walls. It's all Cliff Branch. Now that's that's dedication right there.
1: Yeah, and as Elaine said when we spoke, you know, the Raiders know how to do it. You know, they, they know how to put on, to, to honor, and I love the fact, I love franchises that, that honor their history. The Steelers have their Hall of Honor. Uh, the Raiders, obviously, uh, I don't think they have one, actually, but I do think that they do a great job celebrating their players. I know when Ken Stabler made the Hall of Fame, John Madden came out and, and gave just a great emotional speech during, I think, prior to a game, uh, the Bengals just decided to make a ring of honor, which I think was a fantastic idea. And I think one of the, and I, and I, again, I don't think the Raiders have one, but I, I think those things having team all of honors are so important because it honors people that might not ever make it to the hall of fame. Like Lester Hayes is a perfect example. You know, a guy that should be in the hall of fame, you know, uh, they outlawed, stick him for crying out loud because of him. Uh, the, the best, Defensive player on a team that won a Super Bowl in 1980. I mean, him and Mike Haynes, what they did against Washington's receivers in the Super Bowl in 1984 was downright criminal. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's great that the Raiders do a great job w- with their alumni, and uh, it'd be nice if every franchise could commit with what they and other teams do.
3: Yeah, and they have a nice wall uh, dedicated to their alumni at Allegiant Stadium as well. You know, so they yeah they're doing a lot of good things for the alumni and everyone that we talk to that especially that's played for other teams says other teams don't do this. You know, they don't they don't do it like the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders really truly believe. Once a Raider, always a Raider, and they treat them just like that. So uh, that's a good point that you bring up right there. And I wanted to ask you this as we close things out uh, in your piece. Uh, Elaine was said that uh, you know that she felt like Cliff and Al and John Madden were all going to be sitting on the front row watching, you know, watching the whole ceremony. They might invite some others, but it's going to be those three guys, thick as thieves. Really, could you imagine that <laughs> conversation if all three were actually going to be here tomorrow in Canton to to soak that in? What that conversation between those three guys would be like?
1: Oh my goodness! I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine it. And 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 you know, I actually kidded with her because full disclosure, I grew up a, a Steelers fan. Now I'm a little bit more, you know, I, I'm not biased. I try not to be, but I I kidded with her. I said, you know, I wouldn't imagine if that that Elsie Greenwood's gonna crash the party. Chuck No might crash the party. You know, some other some other guys, Steelers from that era, since they had such great battles back then. because I think there was such a mutual respect for each other, and they made each other better. And, they, and that rivalry, and that time in the NFL, was so important to the game. I think that's the golden era of the NFL, if we're being honest. But, uh, but yeah, I, I certainly think they're, they're, their presence will be felt. I know if they were both alive and Cliff was here as well, it, it, that would just truly be a, uh, a memorable, memorable moment and a picture in time that would be cherished by Raider Nation. But that being said, I'm sure they're going to watch it somewhere together. They're going to enjoy it. And they might let a couple of rivals in to to celebrate as well because I I think that there was mutual respect all the way around.
3: I agree with that 100%. I I really do. 2 storied franchises, obviously, with uh, plenty of Hall of Famers in Canton, Ohio, right now to celebrate. And uh, both franchises have more that are on the way. So, uh, Brian, great stuff. Again, your piece, Cliff Branch's sister, to deliver late Raiders Legends Hall of Fame introduction speech with mixed emotions on CBSSports.com. Really good stuff. Brian, thanks for your time today, my man. I appreciate you, and we'll catch up with you soon.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Have a great weekend and enjoy the ceremony.
3: Will do. Thank you so much, Brian. Appreciate you. Good stuff. Again, man, go check out that piece on CBSSports.com. He had an opportunity to talk to Cliff's sister yesterday. Think about that. She walked across the stage. I don't know if, if it was seen on TV or not, but she lit the Al Davis Memorial Torch last night, uh, and it was cool because it was it's on the press box side. So I was able to just look down at it while it was going on and just take a picture of it and uh, just to see it lit the whole game long and just i mean it, it was felt like you were just at a home game you know it felt like you were uh, almost back in oakland right because it was actually the torch torch it wasn't the one that they have at allegiant where it's just you know it lights up it was the torch torch so i was like man this is pretty awesome and so to have her be able to do that with the rest of the family and i know the branch family is really going to be uh, celebrated they've been celebrated ever since we all found out that cliff was going in but this week Everyone has been celebrating the, the Branch family in a major way, including us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So many thanks to Brian for giving us some time talking about his piece. And like I said, coming up at 3.30, the conversation that I had with Cliff Branch from 2016. Again, listen to him. Don't listen to me. <laughs> My, I wasn't very impressive, but he was. So it's it's definitely worth the listen. That'll come up at, uh, like I said, at 3.30. Coming up next, uh, got some – Thoughts from Josh McDaniels. He met with us earlier today on the Zoom call. I want you to hear what he had to say about the offensive line. There's about three questions back to back to back to start things off. All offensive line related. We'll hear that next. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. What does it mean to be a raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a raider? Man,
2: being a raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the just the jersey or just the just a helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about.
1: Welcome back, Welcome back to Unnecessary roughness.
3: Unnecessary roughness.
1: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q.
3: Coming up in 10 minutes, you'll hear from Cliff Branch, my interview that I had, the only interview I ever did with Cliff Branch in 2016, and I'm just happy that I keep every interview I do. Except for that one. (laughs) That one interview with Mike Golding Jr., I definitely destroyed that one immediately because that was the worst. That's a story for another day. I'm sure I've told it already, but it's a story for another day. We don't have time for me to get into that interview and how bad that was. That was uh, in Houston, Texas at the Super Bowl, matter of fact. uh, It was just a bad day and bad morning for a bad interview. So, yeah, we definitely destroyed that. But every other interview I do, definitely keep it. So we'll hear from Cliff coming up. Uh, at 3.30, and I'll say this, I love saying 3.30. I, You know what, being here since Wednesday or whatever, I got here Wednesday morning, I think 6 a.m., being here and spending as much time as I've spent here really, really gets me to appreciate the West Coast because I'll tell you what, man, it is 6.30 here almost right now, and, it, yeah, it's just, it's man, I love being on the West Coast where games end early, you know, when, when you get off the radio, it's not 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock like it's going to be here tonight. It's going to be – it's only 5. I mean, it's just – I really do love the West Coast, man. So, yeah, glad they only got a couple more days to be here and be on my way back to Las Vegas. But one guy who's already back in Las Vegas is head coach Josh McDaniels. They flew out last night, and uh, he met with the media earlier this morning. And I want to just – I separated these three questions because they were all about the Raiders' offensive line, and we all know – we've talked about it in great detail – that they have need to step their game up, and they've got to be able to find a starting five, uh, solidify that role so Derek Carr and, and all the offensive weapons could have an opportunity to thrive. And They weren't too bad last night. There was, there was moments where it's like, yeah, that needs to get cleaned up, but there was other moments where I thought they did pretty good, and Brandon Parker at the left tackle position was, was tough for him, But, you know, as Nick Shook pointed out earlier in the first hour, if he was great at everything, he would be a starter somewhere and not a swing tackle. So uh, there's that. So here's Josh McDaniels, Vinny Bonsignor, Vic Taver, Tashawn Reed, all asking questions about the offensive line from earlier today.
2: Hey, Josh. uh, After uh, getting a chance to take a look at the film, um, when you look at the offensive line, 159 yards rushing, um, there were the five sacks. Uh, What were your thoughts about the offensive line, and specifically also uh, Alex Leatherwood over at right tackle?
4: Um, you know, I think we did, I did, we did, we did some decent things. We played hard, um, you know, in the running game, we were able to create some opportunities for the backs to get started. Um, you know, and then we probably missed some opportunities as well, uh, just relative to a few things, communication, um, double teams, uh, you know, there's a few techniques that <clears throat> Jacksonville uses that, you know we haven't quite seen yet, so um, you know this is always going to happen in the preseason when you don't practice for three days leading up to the opponent. So that was a good thing for us to be able to see. You know somebody else plays a different technique on the line, and now it, it creates another uh, type of communication and an adjustment. So uh, we're, we'll be able to coach off of that today, which will be good. Um, you know we just there's a few things in the in the protection where we're, we're just, a, just a hair late in relative to uh, making an adjustment on some type of a, a game or um, stunt that that they used. Um, they did a good job uh, in some of those things. So, uh, again, a lot of different people working with a lot of different people, and there were different reasons why we, we gave up a few pressures and, and sacks. And, um, again, we'll have an opportunity to coach off of that today, um, specifically to Alex. I thought he – uh you know he does what he always does comes in there and competes tries to do his job the right way um and he's just put his head down and try to get better and you know the snaps he was in there yesterday I thought he did the same thing hey Josh just to follow up on on Brandon Parker what were your thoughts on the way he played and do you think the move to the left side was a part of the problem last night um you know some's you know a lot of guys have to play multiple positions so um you know that can't be part of the problem so you know, we have to be able to, uh, you know, a lot of guys played multiple spots last night, um, <clears throat> you know, because you have to have depth at the game somehow, some way. Um, there were a few things, obviously, that Brandon can do can do better. Uh, there were also some things where there was some things we were trying to uh, do offensively where we didn't execute them very well. Uh, that didn't have anything to do with Brandon. So uh, a lot of things go into uh, pass protection, as I've said before. If you want to be good in pass protection, you got to do a lot of things right. Uh, It's not just one man's responsibility. The timing of the play, where the quarterback's, you know, if he's stepping up in the pocket, if the back's supposed to be, you know, helping or chipping on the edge, you know, all there's a lot of things that are coordinated to go into a good pass protection unit. Um, Certainly after our first game, we're not where we want to or need to be, and that's why we'll work hard today on the film to correct that. Hey Josh kind of a, a follow-up question stemming from that um obviously Brandon you know
2: he's, he's played a lot of right tackle in practice when a guy plays another position in the game does that sort
4: of change how you evaluate him or are you still are you more so looking at kind of the core fundamentals of how he's just playing as a, as a lineman overall both um like I said there's there's a lot of times where our guys have had to play multiple positions and so that's just the nature of football and um you know we had two or three guys yesterday played three spots. So, um, you know, you, 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 evaluate what they do. Um, the more things they can do across the line, the more value they provide to your team. And, um, you have to have, like I said, you can't go to the game and there's not a backup for every guy on the offensive line. So he, somebody's going to have to be ready to play multiple spots and that somebody may be somebody who's starting, you know, and if something happens and there's an injury, you may have to flop somebody or, or what have you, but, Uh, In order to find the the right group that's going to be able to do that, you're going to need to see people play multiple spots, and, and that's what we've tried to do since we started practicing.
3: There you go. Josh McDaniels talking exclusively about the offensive line. You heard three different questions right there from Vinny Bonsignor, Vic Tafer, and also Tashawn Reed. And I love those answers. I really do, especially, you know, that can't be part of the problem. And, you know, sometimes you may have to flop a guy who's even a starter. A guy who's solid in his spot might have to go and slide to another spot because an injury popped up. Or, you know, just I feel like what he's saying without exactly coming out and saying it in these exact words are, this is this team is preparing for every scenario. Right. You know, when people always say, uh, you know, expect, prepare for the worst, but expect the best or, you know, expect for the West or expect the best and prepare for the worst, whatever it is. I don't know. It's like they're preparing for the worst and and hoping that they don't have to use it. But they're making sure that if something comes up like that, it's not an oh blank moment. Like, uh oh, what do we do now? Like, oh, okay, that guy just got banged up or that's not you know, that's not that guy's not doing a good job at this this certain position. Don't worry. We can slide this guy. This is how we can make an adjustment. And that goes back to what we've heard about Josh McDaniels not making just adjustments week to week or half to half. Sometimes play to play, you know, drive to drive, he's able to make adjustments. If that is what you start to expect and start to see from this team, I feel like the only direction you can go is up. I really do. If you're prepared, and I say this, and DeMond, you know, 100%. I mean, I always like to dumb it down to something that I know and I feel like I'm pretty good at, which is this, radio, If you're 100% prepared and maybe even over-prepared, you can't fail, (laughs) right? I mean, even when you don't do 100% the way you want to and be great, like you want to be great every day, it's still not bad because you're so prepared. I feel like he's making sure that this team is over-prepared. So just in case all hell hits the, the, the wall, he could be okay. Everything could be okay and they could still function where they don't come out of a game and say, well, what happened? Oh, well, you know. The left tackle went down, and this guy had to slide in and fill in for him, so that's why they're no, that's not an excuse. Like you said, that can't be the problem. The problem is, you know, just didn't do a good job. And it's not just on the offensive lineman. I I, I like that he took that pressure off him too. It's not just on them. It's also on the quarterback. It's also on the running back. It's also on did the wide receiver run the right route. Like, everyone plays a part in doing their job and doing it correctly. I thought that was good stuff, and that's why I wanted to separate that little chunk – from Josh McDaniels to just to focus in 100% solely on the offense. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy Raider Mack. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind brother?
2: Hey what's up man? Hey it's gonna be a great great night. Uh, everything was good um, as far as the um, cliff branch and the introduction. Uh, that's gonna be really great man. I can't wait to with to to see that, and I agree with you, man. Living on the East Coast or uh, <laughs> them games is ridiculous. Now the worst place to go to is Hawaii because if you go there, you you, you got to get up at six o'clock just to watch the nine o'clock game. But, anyway, <laughs> but you're in
3: Hawaii, brother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, hey, here's a segment I usually have: is good and the bad and the ugly for for. For for the Raiders game, each game I, I write down this, and the good the good was we did not have no offsides, no no self inflicted wound penalties. That's yep. what I love. There was nobody jumping offsides on their own. I could – holding is going to be part of the game, so right. you ain't you got that that sense. The 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 bad was was the um was the left tackle uh, Parker. I mean, it wasn't that he was bad. It was just that they put him on an Island and I think they, they, I I don't know why they put him on an Island like that. And I think he's going to get better. And, and the, the, actually the uh, special teams, I'm worried about the special teams. I know nobody mentioned that, but the special teams that only reason why they brought that kickoff, that that pump return back was because, because of a holding. Right. But,
3: yep. Uh,
2: I, the special team coach from Green Bay that we brought in, too. I don't think I. I think hey, Green Bay had the worst in the last 20 years, and you can go look it up. The worst um, punt return team. So hopefully we'll we'll find it'll get better. And for Raider Nation, don't get. I, I think uh, they tweeted on Parker. I mean, it was horrible, horrible. The things people were saying. But they said that about Leatherwood. They said that about. Um, Colton Miller. So uh, just relax. There's only one game. Give the guy a break. Just like um, our head coach said, he, all of it wasn't on him. See, people are just looking for for to, to pile on, on the guy. Just give him a chance, and we'll see. And I told everybody about Leatherwood last year. Give him a chance, and you saw he played well. And I, I'll leave you with that, Q. Hey,
3: great, great call, man. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, special teams, that is one area of, of concern because that – you know, it looked like it was a punt return touchdown, you know, and uh, it, it would have been if it hadn't been for that holding penalty, like you said. And, and look, I mean, the special teams coach comes from Denver, Tom McMahon, but his assistant comes from green Bay and green Bay now has rich Basaccia there for a reason because their special teams unit was so bad that they lost, lost the playoff game. and, Tom McMahon had his struggles in Denver, and anyone in Denver was, you know, fine when he left. But to his credit, he did really well with two other good kickers in Pat McAfee and Adam Vinatieri when they were in Indianapolis. So, uh, I mean, he's got a track record of doing well, but he's also had a track record of things not going so well when he was in Denver. So, uh, just like you said, got to give him an opportunity. You know, it was one day at the office. I thought one of A.J. Cole's punts was a little not like A.J. Cole-like, so I, I kind of took notice of that as well. But, uh, again, one preseason game, you know, you of course we critique it, we talk about it, you know, what was good, what was bad, what was ugly, like you said, and then you hope that the next time they go out they correct that. Thank you for the call. 332 is the time when we come back. You'll hear the conversation I had with Cliff Branch in 2016, the only opportunity I had to talk to him. You'll hear it next on Red Nation Radio 920.
0: And now, thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas, let's go back to Canton, Ohio for more Unnecessary Roughness with your boy, Q.
3: Many thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas. Without them, I'm not here today providing you all the sights and sounds of Canton, Ohio. Without Subaru of Las Vegas, Vinny Bonsignor and Heidi Fang, the morning tailgate is not broadcasting live from... Canton, Ohio, the site of Pro Football Hall of Fame, where Cliff Branch will be inducted and enshrined forever, and his sister will give the speech, deliver that speech. He, they, and she'll go second to last tomorrow uh, tomorrow afternoon. Excited about that. And, oh, by the way, don't forget we have a, a show tomorrow, a special show leading into the Hall of Fame. Ceremony. Myself and Demond will hold it down from uh, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. right here on Radio Nation Radio 920, talking all things Cliff Branch. And there'll probably be a couple uh, interviews that were really good ones that we had throughout the course of maybe even the whole summer talking about Cliff Branch. I think JT the Brick's going to join us. I think Vinny's going to join us. It's going to be fast and furious, one hour long, one hour strong. So uh, make sure that you're tuned in 8 a.m. To 9 a.m. Now, I wanted to play this because it's fitting that Cliff Branch is finally getting into the Hall of Fame. It was way overdue. He should have been here to smell the roses himself. He passed away uh, on the day of uh, Hall of Fame in Uh, Shrimet. It's also his birthday weekend. You know, he just celebrated his birthday earlier this week. So, I mean, it all kind of ties together. But I had a conversation, an opportunity to talk to him in 2016. The audio on my end is not very good. Our studio sucked. And I hate that That when I listen to it, I hate it and hate it and hate it, and I'm almost ashamed of it, but it's Cliff Branch. It's not about me. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with now the Hall of Famer, Cliff Branch. First of all, I want to introduce Cliff Branch, great Raider wide receiver. In 14 years he spent with the Oakland Raiders, the L.A. Raiders, three-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, first of all, spending 14 years, your entire 14-year career with the Raiders, uh, that doesn't happen anymore because of free agent salary cap situations. How does it feel to be that guy that spent your whole career with one organization?
5: Well, I'm just re- really blessed and fortunate to be able to play for a fine organization and with the Raiders and during those glory years. Uh, we were on top of our game and and uh, we we were committed to, uh, to accomplishing a lot of great things. Uh, again, like you said, uh, playing in uh, three Super Bowl winning teams and playing in uh, out of my 14 year career, uh, only missed the playoff twice. So, uh, and then I left the game, uh, uh, with, with, with health didn't have any uh, major surgeries or injuries so it was it was a, it was a very healthy and blessed career
3: that's awesome that is awesome three times Super Bowl champ like I mentioned like you mentioned and uh what made your Super Bowl teams so special
5: well uh our team and players bought into what we were trying to accomplish and everybody was very unselfish and everybody played their roles and know how to know how to contribute with their roles so I, I think that was the biggest key and then and, and then those years, you're talking about the first Super Bowl team, Super Bowl eleven team, we were able to, uh, Al Davis was able to, to go out and get a lot of players who had other issues with the teams and bring them in, and and then they were able to uh, make that adjustment and and, and commit to what we we're trying to do. I'm talking about uh, talking about John Matusak. Uh, we talking about Lyle Alveda, Talking about Greg Cook. We talking about these type of players who were able to come to to the team and play a role and and and, and, and accomplish a lot of success as a role player. Talking to Cliff
3: Branch right now, and Cliff, I I got to ask you about you as a wide receiver. You were so good at getting open and getting open. On- on the deep ball. I mean, you average 17 yards a catch over the length of your career. I mean, that that is something that's amazing. For you, the one year to have 40-something catches and go over a 1,000 yards, I mean, you just don't see that anymore. How were you able to utilize that vertical game so well, and, and that turned into something that was just like a Raiders, uh, a Raiders benchmark right there?
5: Well, I mean, the, I think the biggest key was doing that particular year in, in my earlier years. We we played, play I played, uh, Kenny Stable played behind a Hall of Fame offensive line. You know what I mean? Hmm. So you you know, you're talking about Jim Otto's and the. The center's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Upshaw's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Art Shell's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Bob Brown's in the Hall of Fame, Dave Castle in the uh, Hall of Fame. So these guys were our interior alignment, and being Castle was a tight end. So played Kenny Stable played about playing behind the offensive line there were Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame players
3: yeah they absolutely were man and you put together a heck of a career and with all your yards with all your accomplishments with all your touchdowns that you have in your career still haven't got the one thing the Hall of Fame jacket yet what is the problem what do you feel is, is holding it up from you getting into Canton?
5: Well, I, I, at this point, I think it's really close. I think I'm probably a year or two away now because John Madden told me the other day that uh, my my time is coming. Uh, I, I should be the next Raider to go in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know what I mean? Once they put Kenny Stabler in there, and you cannot put Kenny Stabler in there and not have his his prolific receiver because Casper's already in there, Car's already in there. So Kenny finally got his due, which was long overdue, and mm-hmm. I. I and told me he guaranteed that uh, my time was next.
3: That would be awesome. We'd definitely love to see you get into the Hall of Fame. It's definitely deserved. But, but Cliff, why do you think it is so long, it takes so long for wide receivers in general just to get into the Hall of Fame?
5: Well, as uh, you know, uh, all, the, all the playmakers that you, you've had in the National Football that deserve deserving. So that's that's one position that's that's uh, names come up a lot and there's a lot of uh, competition for induction of the Hall of Fame and wide receiver come up a lot so you, you don't you can't when the, with all these names come up you can't there's it, a log there's log jam there and so you can't put one or two or three at Hall of, uh, Hall of Fame wide receivers in there once so they have to they, so they spread it over time so that's a position that uh, always will always have an inductee pretty much every year so it's just a long jam. Okay. And, and like I said,
3: definitely rooting for you. Can't wait till you do get in and get that jacket. It's well-deserved, like I mentioned. 14 years you played in the league. That means 14 years you played for Al Davis. First of all, what did Al mean to you, and what do you feel like Al meant to the league?
5: Well, I mean, it, Al Davis' uh, credentials, uh, credit, credit goes a long way, man. You you think of all the things that he accomplished. I mean, he, he, he was a very innovative man. He was a pioneer in every aspects of the game for his, you know, uh, hiring the first minority coach, uh, and, and, then, uh, the two of them, you know, uh, first um, Mexican coach, first black coach. So he, and then being a commissioner of the OAFL, uh, being a head coach, being coach of the year in that, uh, uh, his, his accomplishments is uh, just a long list of th- things and and he was a true football man, so he he lived it, he loved it and and he worked his ass off to be successful. So uh that's that's not enough words you can say about Mr. Davis.
3: Now the question I had about about Al and the NFL in general is: I feel like because he was the guy he was, and he was able to see things that other people weren't seeing, they, there was a lot of backlash as well towards Al, and the kind of the NFL kind of like tried to shy away from him. Am I correct in feeling that way?
5: Well, you you got to think about it. Al Davis is on a only owner to take on the NFL. And a lawsuit, and you know you don't find that very ha- happening. And, and and to to win a lawsuit against the NFL, so uh, you are talking about uh, you know when you take it on the NFL, I mean you, you, I mean you're going against uh, your other peers' uh, ownership, so because they're all in partners together, and so Al took them on and then and then beat them, and so a lot of a lot of the ownerships uh, didn't didn't like the fact that. He sued his former partners and stuff like that, and took them on and stuff like that. So you know, even you see Bob Kraft, you know all the stuff he's gone through, and he he's mentioned uh, taking on the NFL, but he didn't, right? You know, so uh, Mr. Davis, you know he he was probably disliked and, and, and because of that that particular event.
3: And, and, again, man, t- talking Al, talking the things that he did. Uh, you mentioned, you know, hiring Tom Flores, hiring Art Shell. He also had uh, hired Amy Trask. Uh, we had her on the other day. I mean – they, they came up with the Rooney rule, but I, in my heart, feel like it should be the Al Davis rule now.
5: Yeah, well, there's a lot of rules that should be the Al Davis, but I agree, <laughs> with, agree with you totally.
3: Okay. Cliff, now, looking at this this uh, Raiders team that is out there right now, you know, you look at the roster, and you being a wide receiver, you look at a guy, Amari Cooper, who was drafted last season, uh, you look what he did in his first year, pretty good, ended the year injured, but still had a really good season for a rookie. Uh, what do you what do you see when you look at this current Raiders roster and do you feel like they're moving in the right direction?
5: Oh well uh, yeah, uh Reggie McKenzie has done a wonderful job with this with the salary cap and the money they've had to spend. They went out and did some great things and uh with free agency, uh uh a cornerback, uh uh offensive lineman, uh the the, the guy from the Seattle defense the end linebacker, so they have really spent money wisely the last couple of years, and, and and had a phenomenal draft. And 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 they they finally got it right at, at, as a head coach. We're bringing in Jack Jack Del Rio, who, who is a home hometown hero, a Hayward, California guy, USC guy. So, and and he's he's built a co- culture now last year of having guys to believe in, knowing they got to work their tails off. And, and 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 get it right on the on the football field with a lot of work. So those areas uh, with Reggie McKenzie and his free agency moves and and, and stuff like that, and get, and bringing Jack Del Rio. So that's that's two key important elements. Now you played for the Oakland Raiders. You played for the LA Raiders. Do you think that
3: they're going to stay the Oakland Raiders? Do you think they're going to be the Vegas Raiders? I mean, where do you think they go from here?
5: Man, it's, it's all about Mark Davis wants to get a stadium for the Raiders. Uh, everybody has a brand new stadium for the Raiders and the Chargers now, and and they're the last two teams are trying to commit to get a stadium. And 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 you know it would be nice if the Raiders can stay in Oakland, but the, uh, Oakland just don't have the funds. And and. They, they can't even offer. They can't even offer Mark Davis a penny, one one penny. So they 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 can't even help him no kind of way. You need help when you're going out and trying to build a stadium with the city and stuff like that. So uh, the talk is Vegas is trying to get it done. So uh, it's, it's in the future. and The future is real near. So we'll just hope and see what happens. That the Raiders. Can get a state of the art stadium. Well, I hope they do. I really would like to see them stay in Oakland. And uh, r- before I wrap
3: this up, Cliff, I want to know: and we're going to are we going to be able to see you this year at a, a couple Raider games, a couple home games?
5: Oh yeah, I'm always at the Raider <laughs> games. because I I have to work for in a suite for corporate sponsorship for the last ten years. So I'm always on board with the Raiders. I travel with the team, probably on four away games. I go to Kansas City, I go to San Diego, I'll go to Mexico City, and I'll, I'll go to Denver. So I'm always uh, at home for all right at home games and and I go on the road by four games so
3: that's awesome that is awesome can't wait to see you Uh, definitely will be at the Oakland Coliseum representing at least a few times this season Uh, Cliff I appreciate your time man I look forward to you making it into the Hall of Fame and matter of fact uh, we need to do this again when you do make the Hall of Fame I want to give you a call and and talk about what it feels like to be a Hall of Famer as well as a three times Super Bowl champion if that's okay with you that would be wonderful man Man, I just got to pause. I completely forgot I told him I was going to call him back. I, uh, like, I I knew basically the whole gist of the whole interview without listening to it over. Forgot that I said at the end I was going to call him back. Man, that sucks. That was 2016. Oh, how times have changed, right? I mean, you start hearing some of the questions I'm asking the timeline. And, by the way, I apologize for the terrible audio on my end. Not to mention it wasn't a very good interview on my part either. But uh, that's how we all grow and we get better at what we do. But, man... That part at the end, if it's all right with you, hey, it is. That was, ugh, heartbreaking. That was 2016. It's 2022. He's finally getting in. And you heard what he said. John Madden said, I'm next. I'm next. Now, Tom Flores ended up getting in, which is great. We salute that. Charles Woodson got in, and that's great. We salute that. Finally, finally, Cliff Branch is getting in. So, before we take a quick break, Last night during the Hall of Fame game, the very first offensive play of the game from Josh McDaniels that he called, Jarrett Stidham, attempted to go deep. Now, he got hit. It was a personal foul. The Raiders still came up with the ball. Keelan Cole just had a really heads-up play and made a nice catch. But on our Zoom call earlier today, I asked Josh McDaniels about that first play. Coach, real quick, uh, that first play of the game, Jarrett Stidham attempted to go deep. Was that your uh, tip of the cap to Cliff Branch?
4: Cliff Branch and Mr. Davis. Um you know, and, and, um, you know, that was a, um, that was a staple. Uh, Cliff was a fast guy, obviously made a, a bunch of uh, big plays in his career, um, big, important plays and big, important games. And that's why he's going into the hall of fame here, uh, you know, tomorrow. And um, I know Mr. Davis, uh, both Mr. Davises uh, are big fans of the long ball. So um, yes, that was uh, a, a no to Uh, the Raiders, uh, Cliff Branch, and the way that uh, Mr. Davis, uh, both of them enjoy that type of play. So we tried to, didn't go off exactly the way that we hoped it would, but uh, it ended up in our favor regardless.
3: So there's head coach Josh McDaniels talking about the, the reason for that very first play of the game uh, last night where they attempted to go deep, and that would have been awesome if they were able to execute it and, and get it done and, and score a touchdown and just kind of, like I said, tip the cap to Cliff Branch. And uh, I'll tell you, if you were still on the fence with head coach Josh McDaniels and you hear something like that, uh, regardless of what you think, man, that's, that's cool that he would call a play like that to show that kind of respect and that love for the history of the silver and black and obviously that's why we're in canton ohio is for cliff branch 349 is the time come back close out hour number two this is Raider nation radio 920
1: welcome back back to unnecessary roughness
3: roughness.
1: here on raider nation radio
3: 920 i'm gonna have to kick you you know what today
1: here's your boy Q.
3: Just got a couple minutes left in hour number two of the show we've been going fast and furious furious full throttle man hair on fire no doubt about it. This, I mean, this show flies by. It does every day, anyway. But it's really been flying by today. Definitely appreciate all the feedback we've been receiving on the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R, and also the Radio Nation listener line at seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Got more calls and texts on the way, and got plenty of texts to get to. As a matter of fact, we'll do that in hour number three. But I want you to hear from rookie Zamir White in the locker room yesterday, last night. He had an opportunity to get out there and do some things, show what he can bring to the table. Had 11 carries on the night. I mean, he just, he was, he he played well. And he ran downhill, ran behind his pads, showed a little wiggle. I mean, he he was, he was, everything that that he's been talked about and everything that you remember from him in Georgia, he was last night. You know, is there areas of his game to still work on? Sure. You know, he's not the most effective when it comes to catching the ball in the backfield, but I don't think he needs to be. But, from what I saw from him last night, I do think this team plans on using him more than even I thought they planned on using him in his rookie year. So we'll see how it all shakes out. That's only preseason game number one. But it was fun catching up to Zamir White in uh, the locker room following the game last night.
4: Um, I mean, it wasn't just you. It was kind of the whole running back room. It seemed like oh, they had yeah. a big day. Uh, did, did, you, did you see some signs? You know that was coming?
0: Um, hey, man, just grind and compete, man. That's all we do. So, yes, sir. How did it feel uh, to truck that guy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh great man hey man just get physical man that's what i like to do so yes sir uh, and did, were the nerves going through it even though it's preseason, but just first nfl experience oh yeah yes sir like um like the whole whole game i was like just trying to lock in and just be like on task with every single thing so yes sir yeah. so how do you get into a zone
4: like that What, what what's your keys to-
0: um um but just quietness and, and just peace man and, and, yeah, man, that's it, really. Like, just lock in and just focus. So, yes, sir. What are you expecting to see on, on film? I mean, it's one thing to, to do it live, but do you go back, <laughs> are, you, are you expecting to see see uh, good things on film, too? Um, I hope so. Hey, man, just go back to um, Vegas and just compete some more. <laughs> yeah, man, that's about
3: it, really. So, what, yeah. what does a game of football mean to you? Because you've just been smiling the whole time <laughs> we've been talking to you. So we, you love the game and you're passionate about this.
0: Man, listen, bro, like... I really love the game Um, since I was probably, like, six years old. Like, just going out there doing drills, but with the older guys. So, like, yeah, like, I love ball, man. That's my life, really. Ball. Yeah, ball and horses, but that's what I do. (laughs) Hey, man, that's it. horses? Yes, sir, I got 12 horses back home.
1: Uh, Yeah, man. For you, what's that first moment like you dream of playing pro football your whole life,
4: first time you're in the huddle and your number gets called? Ah,
0: bless, man. Um... Yeah man Just blessed to be out there With this great team And just um, grinding with them so, Yes sir
4: What did you like think it? of uh, Amir's touchdown celebration The kick it's been Oh the it
0: was crazy man That was hard <laughs> Yes sir That was cool
4: yes, uh, Another Georgia guy uh, was, was kind of the, the, the star On the other side Yeah uh, yeah yeah Trayvon yeah. Walker Had yes, a good game You get to talk to him at all
0: You guys tie so. oh, it Always um, Like the whole team um, Like real close Like we all like Talk on the phone still So like we all Really locked in still So yes sir We talk a lot
3: Yes sir Got a little bragging rights Tonight
0: A little bit,
3: you know. A little bit. There he goes. That's Raiders rookie, Zamir White. And that dude, look, bro. Look, bro. (laughs) I mean, and DeMond, when you heard that for the first time, I saw your face. You just started rolling, man. As soon as you heard him say, listen, bro. (laughs) He was getting comfortable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that's what he's supposed to do, right? And he was just having a good time, man. And that's that's what it's all about, man. It's about having a good time. It ain't about getting pressed on anything. It's just, hey, it was the first preseason game. Your first touches in the NFL. You know, welcome to the league. So uh, I thought it was I thought that was pretty cool and there you go I told you at the beginning of the show he he loves ball and he loves his horses and it's not a gimmick for him you could tell man don't don't bring that <laughs> don't bring that gimmick bs to Zamir White he ain't trying to hear that he got two horses back home
2: you know what the next follow up for me should have been what are the horses names cuz I bet he could have gone for another 2 minutes about that alone
3: man at least at least you know I I guarantee he would have gone on some, uh, some nice little conversation about his horses. But I can appreciate that, man. Ball and horses. That's what Zamir White's all about. And I do think he has a heck of a role on this team. Uh, and I think you'll obviously throughout the course of years uh, with, the, with the Raiders, you know, he stay healthy, of course. But uh, he, he's out there, man. I do expect his role to continue to grow and grow and grow. But uh, what we'll see, I believe, this upcoming year, From Zamir White, will be just enough to say, yeah, that dude, he's got an opportunity to be someone uh, and someone special. 3.57 is the time. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number three of the show. Mike Sando from The Athletic, he'll join us to talk about quarterback tiers, talk about wide receivers in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A lot of good stuff to get to with Sando. We'll do it next here on Radio Nation Radio 920.